So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. Hi guys, just a quick heads up that I'm changing up the format of the podcast for a few episodes. I've been getting so much inquiry from young adults who are deeply frustrated with a lot of aspects of wealth building in today's environment. So I have invited my good friend, Ken Huang, who is a millennial, to come join me to have some candid conversation about what's happening today and really kind of share lessons and uh, experiences that I've had along the way that I hope will be helpful to you. Please enjoy these wide ranging and uncensored conversations. All right, Ken. So something on my mind right now is I've been hearing this expression, YOLO, YOLO, YOLO. I had to look it up the first time, but now that I got my head around it, what I really want to talk about today is my frustration with how people interpret YOLO. Like YOLO, you only live once. And then they use that for justification to just blow through all their money because there's no point worrying about tomorrow. I'm living for today. But I don't think that's what YOLO means. I I think it means something else. Okay. Well, expand. What do you think it actually means? I think YOLO means, yes, you only live once. You've got this one life. You've got to make the most of it. Like you can't, you know, don't live as if this is a dress rehearsal and you've got, you know, time to figure stuff out later. Like you want to make the most of life. I don't know that it necessarily translates into spend all your money today and don't worry about your future self. Well, I've got friends who, uh, you know, on a Friday night or a Saturday night and uh, someone's trying to make up the decision whether or not they kick on after dinner and they go for drinks. And then the response oftentimes is YOLO, you only live once, right? And so it's yeah. this notion that you said where people use it as a bit of a, like a, a peer pressure thing and go, hey, why not? Like, you know, here already might as well do it. Bit of sunk cost fallacy in that. And, and I think people interpret that in a way that probably does more harm than good um, in my observation as well which is basically to say, don't worry about the future, just worry about today. And I've actually got a, a quote that a friend used to say to me all the time. And it was done in like as a joke, but also there's always a bit of truth behind sarcasm. And that's always like, leave tomorrow's problems for tomorrow. Worry about, you know, worry about your future self, you know, in the future. And I don't think that actually makes sense or actually works when it comes to like wealth building as well. So I'd be really curious to get your take uh, in this episode today about that um, and, and what your stance is when it comes to, you know, I guess YOLO culture and, you know, the issues that we see there. Look, I, I think if I was young and someone was saying YOLO means this, I'd probably be really enrolled in it because it's really sexy and attractive to think that, you know, you live for today and don't worry about tomorrow. It'll work itself out. The challenge that I have right now is I've seen too much. And you know when you can't unsee something? And I have uh, witnessed and seen and spoken to a whole lot of people who are at the other end of their life, 50 plus who probably lived entirely by YOLO. So just to be really clear, the current generation didn't make up the idea of YOLO. YOLO has been around for, for decades, but they lived by the word of YOLO and they've now put themselves in a position where they have to freaking hustle because otherwise they are going to be in a position where they are living on the breadline. 
and maybe below the breadline. And so the point that I want to make is that it's okay to enjoy life today as long as you understand there's a real cost of ignoring finances when you are in your 20s. And I think there's a there's a lot of hidden costs that actually end up being real money that people just aren't thinking about. So what, what what would you say are these hidden costs? I mean, obviously it's not just the, I guess, the monetary side of things, but like what else? So totally hidden costs are not always monetary. Um, they can include the, you know, the stress, you, you might have less choice, uh, missed opportunities. The thing that the extension that I am witnessing is if you talk to someone who's, let's say in their fifties, so they've got a few working years ahead of them, but maybe they they just have been more interested in nice holidays and, and you know spending their money and enjoying life today. The panic, the impact on their emotional health, the recognition that you know people around them are starting to get cancers and all sorts of illnesses, and that you know maybe there isn't as much time left as they were hoping. It just starts to permeate like every aspect of their happiness and well-being. So it, it stops being just a money problem and starts being a you know a life whole of life problem. So I guess the real thing that that I'm really trying to drive home is you know you've got to understand it doesn't have to be extreme. It's not like live for now or invest in the future. It's kind of like, how do you find your your happy place on that spectrum? Because the truth of the matter is, if you don't take care of yourself now, you'll just have to figure it out down the track. So you've got to pay the piper at some point. So why not put the effort in even a little bit right now when you've got the, the time, energy, resources to do it? And is that because you think it's a reluctance of like young people, particularly at the moment who feel like, hey, like things are so unaffordable. It's so expensive. There's no future for ourselves. Like there's sort of this very negative lens towards like what the future could possibly look like. And I don't know if it's just like social media and there's a lot of like naysayers and doomsday people on socials out there who just, you know, super negative. But I feel like that tone's really shifted towards that over the like the last few years. And people are just sort of almost given up. They're like, well, whatever, you know, let's just enjoy today because who knows how long we've got. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the um, the younger generation tell me they feel disenfranchised. They feel like there's no hope. They feel like, you know, I don't really know that making any efforts is going to make any difference. And so I guess my message is one of hope. If you if you do the small things well, it will end up making a massive difference over the course of your life. You know, we talk about the snowball effect where, you know, small financial decisions now will just gain momentum and then turn into significant wealth later. And also small financial decisions now in terms of screw it, I'm not going to do anything, will snowball into significant issues later. I think that really my, my message is one of hope. And whatever you do right now will snowball either for you or against you. One of the things that I have found myself catching myself saying, you know, in my 20s is this sort of notion of like, oh, I'll, you know, I'm not earning that much now. Um, I'll worry about it when I earn more money. So therefore, I'll just enjoy life as it is now because I can I can make up for it later in life. How much of that is true for, based on what you've seen? Um, do you agree with that? What's your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of studies that show that as your income grows, so does your spending. It almost doesn't matter what you're spending versus what you're earning now if, if it's not going to change. It's, it's very unlikely to change. You know, everyone heard of, of lifestyle creep. And it's so easy to say to ourselves, well, I'm earning more money now and I've earned the right to enjoy that extra money. And so I think this idea of I will look after my finances when I earn more, it's a total myth. And I work with people who they're 
earning money now when maybe a decade or two decades ago, they were scraping the bottom of the barrel. They never thought they'd reach these heights in terms of income and their spending habits have not improved at all. And so the wealth that they've created is marginal, like it really hasn't made any difference to to their life. And so I think this idea of I'll become better with my money when I've got more, or I'll start thinking about growing wealth when, you know, when I'm a bit older, like postponing those things, it just doesn't work. And so the the real message is it's those small habits that you need to really address now. And that's why they've actually had a lot of studies that show that the psychology of knowing that you are saving, whether it's $10 a week or $10,000 a week, it, it doesn't matter. It's the mere act of doing it that will actually set you up for future success. A bit like that um, James Clear, obviously he talks about atomic habits. You know, you sort of start with that small one habit and that sort of then atomizes or just sort of expands into other aspects. I sort of use the example of like cleaning, right, uh, sort of in my apartment and all of a sudden, you know, I've got this little patch I need to vacuum and before I know it, I'm vacuuming the whole house, I'm cleaning the kitchen and, you know, I'm doing a whole bunch of things. I think, again, you know, this is a psychology hack. Like I think that's also true for, um, you know, just the human psyche um, when it comes to money as well. You sort of create these atomic habits or you start these atomic habits that then lead to outsized disproportionate returns as well. And I feel like people get stuck and I, I had this issue many times and I'm still somewhat struggling with this is the discipline or even just getting started. You know, you, you think of these um, things that you've got to do, for example, like building lifetime wealth as these very grandiose things that you've got to sit down and you've got to you know, write these big plans and you've got to do this and that. Um, when in actual fact, it's like if you just made a start, a um, bit like exercise, if you just went to the gym, you know, one day and then you did it the next day and you just kept going, kept going, that all of a sudden you think six months, 12 months, several years down the track, um, the results are quite different and they're quite visible when you look at it from a long-term lens. That's at least my stance on it. I think there's a huge part of like discipline involved here, but also just like the mere act of like getting started. I think that's the bit that people just get caught up in as well. Yeah, I love that. And and you're a really interesting case because obviously you took two years out of your life to travel the world because that was the... the I did YOLO. (laughs) You did YOLO. That's right. I mean, I, I have this conversation with my husband. I've had it with my com- uh, this conversation with my husband many times, and he's a really, you know, grounded, wise soul in general. But one of the things that he talked about is when you're in your 20s, when you're when you're entering the workforce, your level of optimism is very high because you've got all this runway. So the world is full of all these possibilities and, and the future. And so there's this trust that everything will just work itself out, that, you know, the universe will look after you. But I can tell you now, like, let's fast forward those, that same feeling. You're, you're in your 40s. You've got a young child. You don't have the money to pay for some surgery they need. Like, that's when shit becomes real. And so, like, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but all I'm saying to you is that you don't have to give up YOLO. You just have to spank your YOLO. That's really what I'm, what I'm saying. So, oh, God, the younger gen know what Spanx is. <laughs> it's the, uh, the underwear that was invented for women with flabby bits to put on to make them very svelte and shapely. It's shapely uh, underwear. Um, So, you know, YOLO, you only live once. Totally get that. And I think, you know, everyone should live that way at every stage of life. But I think the interpretation that YOLO means screw it, let's just spend it all now or screw it, let's just drink more than we should or screw it, whatever, like whatever it is, I think needs to be tamed. Like that just needs to be tamed. And I I do understand that the reason that people do it is because they're like, there's a sense of hopelessness 
Like why bother? Like it's not going to make that much difference. And we've talked about this before, the whole avo toast. You know, people go, well, if I stop eating avocado toast twice a week, that's only going to be a couple of thousand bucks a year. That's not what's going to make the difference to me being able to afford a house. But that is just a symptom or a way of describing the mindset in general, the habits in general. And so I think this idea like of lifestyle creep, thinking that you'll you'll take care of it later, I can tell you that you will. Like there's so much commentary around the idea of, well, well, you know, I'll just go on the pension. That's how I will kind of worry that that will take care of me. But the number of people who are, you know, in 50 years time going to be on the pension is so extraordinary that the world would break. It just doesn't have the, the finances and the resources to manage that. So you got to fit your own oxygen mask and worry about your own finances now because I don't know necessarily that you can rely on someone else to fit it for you down the track. And I think maybe here in Australia, obviously, this is we've got people who listen to this all around the world as well. But in, at least in Australia, there's I think about the US versus Australia. And, and I use the example of like getting a college degree or a university degree. Um, and there's this culture in the US of, you know, the parents having this nest egg and they, they from the time you're born, they put away money for a long, long period of time. So they've got enough money to pay for your tuitions. Whereas here in Australia, we've got something called HEX or now called HELP, where the government essentially loans you the money. You know, you just pay it according to whatever you borrow, plus a little bit of extra in terms of interest rates with with what with inflation, with what whatever the CPI is here or, or indexation. Long story short of that is to say that I think if you're talking about what's happening societally here in Australia, there's this sort of notion of like a, a big safety net, whether it's like healthcare, whether it's like um, welfare, whether it's pensions, whether it's like, you know, we call it Centrelink down here. And um, I think it's bred some level of either complacency or, you know, younger people who haven't really actually experienced genuinely scary moments of just going, I don't know if I can make ends meet, right? Um, and people below the poverty line. And there's a guy called Tyler Cowan, who's an economist in the US, and he wrote a book called The Complacency Class. And he talks about this sort of cohort of people who really just have never experienced, whether it's like war, whether it's famine, whether it's like the Great Depression, whether it's disease, although a lot of us have gone through, well, all of us gone through the pandemic in recent years. But I guess my point with sharing this is to say that when you get this sort of like long periods of peace and complacency, do you start to see people become less responsible towards themselves and particularly their future selves as well. I think maybe just as on a personal level, being sort of a second generation migrant, I still have sort of some inklings of yesteryears look like because my parents remind me of like how tough it was being, you know, communist China and all that sort of stuff and why we came to Australia for a better life. But I can imagine people who are sort of a bit more detached to that really struggle in a lot of ways when it comes to money. They got that sort of YOLO mentality where they just go, don't worry about it. They'll, you know, there's always something that will work out in the future. And there's no real clear plan. So that's just a long ramble, but that's my observation, at least here in Australia. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I I think um, you don't know what you don't know. So it's not so much a dig or a criticism, but when you haven't lived through poverty, war, you know, famine, a thing that a lot of past generations experienced. And maybe you've watched your parents or your family not really struggle all that much to put food on the table. Then, you know, there's a sense of um, comfort that, you know, everything always just works out that, you know, no, no matter what, there's that there is that safety net. And for many people, that's true. But for I think I think for a lot of people, for an increasing number of people, that's not true. And my, I, I guess, message is whether you take your wealth or your money seriously now or not, 
at some point you will have to start thinking about it because, and you know, I've used this example a lot. I just have had heartbreaking conversations with people who either can't work anymore or don't want to work anymore. They're at the other end of their life and they're still on the rental ladder. They don't know how they're going to make it because, you know, for example, here in Australia, the the pension, it's very small. It, it is not enough to live on anymore. I think that those people are now fretting that, you know, they wish they had done more when they were younger. That optimism that you have in your 20s is great. It's fantastic. And channel a little bit of that into looking after your future self because I guarantee you, you will either pay now or you'll pay later. So what would you say just to be like, I guess, tactical about it? If you're someone who goes, okay, you listen to this and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I, I see what Selena's saying. I agree with what she's saying now. I've got to do a little less YOLO. I can still have a little bit of YOLO. What are some takeaways or things that they can implement that will allow them to be able to set themselves on the right path? I think the number one thing is education. I think it's a not just, I was about to say Australia, but globally, the education system does not see the value in teaching financial literacy to kids at school. And that's, that's just a, a massive issue. And so the number one thing is educate yourself on, you know, what does money mean? How does it work? You know, what are your options? So I think if you can get a basic level of financial literacy, and there's a whole world out there trying to tell you it's super complex. It's really not. It's it's just about having the interest or the inclination to do that. And then the second thing is, you know, and we've talked about this a lot, is just you've got to bring some level of mindfulness to how you allocate your income at any income level. If you can't do that, you will struggle at every level, every stage of life. The quote that, that I shared with you earlier was, the pain of discipline is nothing like the pain of disappointment by Justin Langer. That, that is really saying, you know, not taking that action now and trying to put a little bit of discipline around your spending will result in much bigger pain down the track. Just on the education piece as well, have you got any um, resources or even books, could be courses, whatever, like that you would send people towards and go, yep, this is a good starting point? I've had a bee in my bonnet about trying to support young adults for a long time. So, you know, we're building our own program, I Can Be Wealthy, which is really designed to show young adults how to get off on the right foot with their finances, wealth, how to scale their income, and then ultimately how to buy their first piece of real estate, because I think that's the ultimate safety net for everyone. There's phenomenal books out there that still hold a lot of wisdom, some really old books. We were just talking earlier about The Millionaire Next Door. I think we should definitely do a book review on that. That has wisdom in it that I think still prevails. And I think the thing that I would say to people, when when you're reading about wealth, you got to look through the lens of which parts of this book work for me. It's a lot of um, wealth education that gets packaged into books is sometimes self-serving, but there are certainly like a book that had a profound impact on me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's a 30 plus year old book. I I don't know how old it is. It's pretty old, but there are aspects of that book that still ring true, that still carry wisdom. I think it's just really important to commit to the idea that you can really be the person who is the orchestrator of your own wealth. You don't have to rely on anyone else, but you do have to, you know, immerse yourself in you know, raising your standard of financial literacy. I haven't got anything else. Have you got any other sort of, I guess, points you wanted to get across regarding uh, this particular topic? No, I I think I'll just end with a quote again. The future uh, depends on what you do today. It was Gandhi that said that. 
And I, I think that is absolutely true. The actions that you have today have ripple effects for decades to come. And so YOLO, go for it, but think about it in the context of, you know, those choices that you make today will actually impact your happiness tomorrow. Definitely. 100% agree. Thank you, Selena. Thanks, Ken. That was fun. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.